Hi, this is Petra's mum. I don't understand technology or computers or podcasts. I don't even have a CD player in my car anymore and it's very frustrating. However, she's, she's Petra's very endearing. She can be annoying because she doesn't get to the point on time, but she is persistent. Well, hello, and welcome to the first ever episode of the Spark Podcast. As the title may suggest, I love words, people, and ideas. And this is a podcast about sparking your imagination. It's also one where we're going to do some mental archaeology. And what do I mean by that? Well, we'll dig deep into the imaginations of some fascinating people, how they've navigated lessons in their lives as well as in their careers. I've always found it interesting how people become resilient. How do they pursue their passion and channel their creativity? I guess it comes from my childhood and family history. The guests on the show are going to share with us their secrets of how they connect these seemingly unconnectable dots between resilience, passion and creativity. I suppose we could call it a crash course in How to Be a Human 101. And I'm so excited for you to listen and for us to have some fun along the way. I'm Petra Zlatevska. I used to be a lawyer who worked in Sydney and then swapped the Bondi Latte for a bike in Berlin, Germany, a city I didn't actually ever think that I would ever end up in. And I stayed for 10 years. I put my legal career on hold in Berlin and pursued a completely new direction in media and journalism. And then later on, when I became a mom, I kept a little toe dipped in the legal pond when I was offered the chance to teach law part-time to a bunch of wonderful students at a German university. I squeezed so much inspiration from my time in Berlin and I've poured it into this podcast. It's my hope that The Spark can be a place to share inspiring stories, a place to uplift and a space to spark all of you amazing listeners to start your own conversations, to empower you to make a positive life or work change and to challenge the status quo. So this is the intro episode to give you an idea of what I'm all about and by way of a quick background to the show. Now, I know that it's not just my kids who quickly become bored of my voice. So to avoid me babbling on my own, I marshaled the help of a dear friend of mine from law school, Lilia, to co-host with me for this launch episode and flip the interview, so to speak. Lilia is no longer a practicing attorney. She's left the law and is a film and theatre actor based between Sydney and Moscow. When we met up to have our chat during COVID, it almost felt like a speed date, except for the fact that we have known each other for two decades. I just wanted to first say a huge welcome to my beautiful friend Lilia, who is my co-host on the inaugural launch episode of The Spark. Thank you (laughs) for having me. I'm super excited. You definitely sparked my curiosity when you (laughs) called me about this podcast. Well, I think the thing is, I wanted to use this title, The Spark, because it has a meaning in my, you know, kind of first language, which is Macedonian and in many other Slavic languages. And so, yeah, I just wanted to 
kind of see how far I could take it. And I felt really inspired having gone to this conference a year and a bit ago and just being around a lot of other media producers, podcasters, reporters, journalists, um, learning that craft and learning the skills. And it took me a bit to kind of get to where I am now, but I think lockdown actually really helped to propel this further. So um, now that you are doing this exciting new project, but how are you choosing your uh, people that you interview? How I or, choose you know, them? the messages that you, yeah, or the messages that you want to kind of um, uh, get across in your, in, in the conversations that you're sparking. I'm sorry, I just keep saying spark. I lo- yeah, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm loving, I'm loving the name. I'm loving the name so much because I, I, I think this is exactly what, what we need. You know, we need to spark new conversations, spark new ideas, spark new um, things that inspire us and others. So yeah, well, <laughs> in love I, with name. <laughs> well, I think unless you're really almost like Oprah Winfrey or Steven Spielberg, where you can have a lot of choice and autonomy over your media and film projects, I think generally I, you know, think often sometimes an idea or project, you know, maybe picks you. That's right. Like I had this, yeah. I, I just really sticking by an idea, but the seeds of which were a little bit different to where it's come to now. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that is yeah, informed by not just the people, um, but the fact that they trust me with their stories, you know, that essentially this is a storytelling journey and, um, having trust of my guests and being able to be, yeah, it's almost like a vehicle to kind of share what they've experienced. And um, especially now with this COVID, uh, you know, we all thought, I mean, God, when we look back to March, I remember having so many conversations with people thinking, oh yeah, this will be like, like done by Easter. We'll be all going on our holidays in August and September to Europe or at the worst in October, you know, no one could have predicted the extent this has sort of gone to. And, I think that's right. Like the the message or the story that comes out is really informed by kind of the mantra of this show. And that is to yeah connect these unconnectable dots between creativity, passion, resilience, you know, which is three character mm-hmm. traits, which seem quite weird and random, but there's people out there who do have them and it's connecting these dots and putting it into this kind of documentable format and doing an interview and going behind the scenes to bring out, to share, or fight, show that it's possible that these dots can be connected. It's not so, they're not so disparate. It's not so wacky mm-hmm. and out there. And um, I guess that is a little bit of the, not the formula, but certainly, you know, a, a one way to try to yeah get this message out there. And um, yeah, often, as I said, you know, the project picks the creator. Um, you can have the seed of the idea, but often external circumstances kind of push or propel a bit. This is like a self-funded project. I kind of put my own savings into it. I don't yet have sponsors, not yet. Um, so, you know, like it's a slow totally. journey. It's a real passion. It's a labor of love. And um that kind of brings in, brings part of myself into what I've loved doing, which is communicating and, and storytelling. Have you had any surprises so far? (laughs) Oh, well, I have had, um, in a couple of the interviews, you know, it's kind of like creating intimate 
experience between my guest and me. And I think one of the, the big surprises that came out was, I won't do too much of a reveal, but in one of the interviews where this particular guest um, is a very successful uh, yeah, leader of an organization. And when she sort of looked back on her own career, she sort of almost, the surprise for me was that she surprised herself at her, at her, her youthful um, determination, and that um, that was something that she had sort of not attributed to her success, and she got nominated for this incredible award um, in Australia for her leadership. So, the surprise for me was actually thinking, "Wow, like you didn't realize that about yourself." Like that's that that was very endearing, and I think humbling too. Yeah, that that is exactly like that's kind of a key word. The humbling part of this journey um, is just learning. Uh, it's very much a learning curve, and learning to to just be learning to let go, letting go. Of, you know, there'll nothing will ever be perfect. You know, um, we just got to keep rolling with it, and um, and that's why actually I'm very glad when I did this podcast conference, um, being in New York, you know, and meeting these other people who are all on a very similar yeah, kind of journey that it's, there is no point trying to be a perfectionist because actually as a creator, um, it's, we're not aiming for perfection. We're aiming for the best that we can offer and, and to share that experience and no one actually, no matter how many sound edits you do or how many takes you do, it's never actually going to be perfect. And I think the goal is um, not perfection, but I think the goal is really excellence. It just has to just, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and carry that message across, whether it's a piece of film, you know, short film, a podcast, a story, whatever, it just has to carry Completely. the message. Um, actually, I want to ask you just very quickly, because you mentioned New York, is this where you met uh, Kamala Harris? I met her, not personally, but she was at the conference. Um, well, I was at a media conference for two days and then I was at another mm-hmm. function with a friend of mine at the Glamour Women of the Year Awards and actually um, Manal won the award. Uh, she was a co-awardee with Kamala Harris. It was just incredible to be there for that particular evening, which was in the same week as the media conference that I was there for. So it just like lined up really. And yes, especially now... I guess with Kamala's campaign, that speech of hers, which I've just watched on my phone since then and now this week going ahead. Yeah, just so many things have almost come full circle, as you said, you know, it's just kind of making mm-hmm. the kind of using what we what we've what's been thrown at us to push forward and 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 take what we have. Cause I mean, even with you, you're I mean, I need to tell everyone that Lilia is one of these multi-skilled, multi dimensional humans who we sat in this very crazy law lectures together for six years and Lilia has gone on to in the underground which has That's now it. been demolished it's like <laughs> completely no trace or existence of this building almost crazy. like you know that part of our lives is also kind of being relegated to the history books but I wanted to say that with what we've done, you know, it's, it's exactly, it's like, what, where are we going to next? And what have we learned out of our journeys? And I mean, 
everybody that comes so, out of law school, you know, does not necessarily go into these traditional at all. paths. No. And I think whoever has told you, you got to end up being a corporate lawyer or be a judge or go to the bar, obviously didn't know that in 2020 that this is going to have happened. And everyone right now is kind of in this pivot phase. But I feel like you and me were almost a little bit have been that. pivoting a long <laughs> t- for a long time. <laughs> we, we, we've, done a, we've done many multiple internal lockdowns with ourselves through having to kind of reconsider, reassess, redetermine um, for ourselves. And I mean, for you, you know, part of your career was spent back in your homeland. And when we met up in Moscow in 2010. That's right. And you were there as a journalist as opposed to a lawyer. So perhaps you could tell us how that came about, you know, from uh, from finishing law school together to you going on your adventure that landed you in Germany for many, many years, to you then traveling the world as a journalist, to you now sparking conversations that I hope, you know, that will be sparking new ideas and new, um, you know, new challenges. I think like you and like any person, we're children of the 80s, which is kind of a blessing and a curse. And our 30th birthday, I feel like this past decade has been bookended with turning 30 in the middle of global financial crisis. And that was the time at which I had pretty much, yeah, decided to leave my legal job in Sydney in Australia. Um, And my husband and I had the opportunity to go back to Germany and we were supposed to stay for a year. And, you know, this story is a little bit familiar, but out of that one year when I had the chance to do a proper German course, I, you know, we'd packed everything up in Sydney, put everything in storage. We said, let's do one year sabbatical. We traveled around Mongolia, Thailand, Japan, China for a couple of months before heading to Germany. Incredible. And just to kind of let go a bit and just let go of these expectations, let go of ideas or ideals that were supposedly put upon us, you know, in this kind of tender age of 30 and just try living in Germany for a year. So I think already that mindset of, oh my God, Goldman Sachs, all these people losing jobs, um, friends in really dire, dire circumstances. So the opportunity to try a year in Germany just seemed very correct and right thing to do at that particular time. And it ended up um, just kind of rebirthing me, I guess, in a way that I was asked to submit a portfolio to a British woman's magazine whilst I was completing my German course. And really delved much deeper into my arts degree and my writing and uh, the communication part of that side of what I studied, which was not very legal at all. And then the, um, and then the work that I was kind of producing the written work uh, got picked up by um, the head of communications for a hotel group. And uh, she had asked me to join a journalist, a press delegation that was going to Moscow. And, to Moscow, uh, that's right. Yeah, and that's where we then met up. And so that is basically, the, the short version is it's taking that leap of faith and not questioning things too deeply, despite the fact that around or us was so much uncertainty in that period of the GFC. So and it's interesting that you mentioned the fact that we are children of the eighties, because prior to even uh, that happening, the financial crisis happening, we have witnessed a lot, even as children, 
we have witnessed uh, the wall coming down in Germany. Yeah. We have witnessed USSR you know, collapsing and tanks rolling into the Red Square in Moscow. So I do feel that life has kind of taught us whether it was conscious or subconscious to be flexible and to yeah. not um, hold too tightly to things that are familiar. So um, I guess it's no surprise then to see us in situations where we are able to be much more flexible and uh, let go uh, with much more ease, whether it's our careers or whether it's uh, uh, a place of residency, um, et cetera, et cetera. And I think this is so much about, and I don't even know if I like the word pivot, but I think I prefer how you said it, you know, that we've learned to just let go, reinvention. Yeah. Yeah. It's so much about more of reinvention and the skills that come with that. I mean, because you were a child of uh, a baby of the USSR and, you know, you experienced Chernobyl. I mean, what for you, you spent then part of your childhood in Cyprus and then came to Australia. I mean, how... You know, what was your most vivid childhood memory? I mean, as children, we do see everything through rose-coloured glasses. So to me, growing up in the USSR was a very positive experience because I was a child, because Mm. I had a passion. I went to a ballet academy and, you know, I was very focused on something that was very creative and very positive and very inspiring. And so when I look back at my childhood, I see that and I remember that. So I feel very blessed that I have those types of memories as opposed to standing in huge lines to buy bread. So mm. uh, that has escaped me, thankfully. And mm. what escaped me, thanks to my parents, is also seeing the 90s in Russia because we moved to Cyprus in 1992, pretty much a couple of days before tanks were rolling into the Red Square. Wow. And I mean, your sense of cultural awareness, and you're just one of these people, you are so curious and culturally aware i mean how do you think that that and you know you've lived in four countries how has that helped you do you reckon for your acting profession i believe that acting is all about experiences so some people say to me you know do you wish you started acting much earlier because of course you know by the time i went to acting school i was already um you know i finished i finished law school and uh i was in my sort of mid to late twenties, but you know, it's, it's all about life experiences that you can bring to a role or a particular project. And so traveling is definitely part of that. Obviously I grew up in former USSR. I lived in Cyprus. Uh, then my family moved to Australia. Then uh, uh, once I started working in the creative field, I've traveled to America, I've traveled back to Russia as an adult and feeling as a complete tourist because I haven't been there since childhood. So Mm. all those experiences have been extremely eye-opening and also very humbling. As you say, you kind of bring yourself into the role, no matter what role that is. And I mean, it's, it's like, you know, um, the fact that you came to acting at the age that you did was kind of the point at which I also reinvented myself and, and my work and my career to go more into journalism and media. But what was the, can you pinpoint the moment where you kind of connected these very unconnectable dots? Because in your mind, you've made this transition. And I know I felt like having to try to almost explain to people like, well, why don't you do typical law or you've done this degree and like, do you feel like you're wasting it? It's almost like, what was the moment where you could in your, for yourself felt like, okay, I want to make this transition. There are these dots out there and yes, I'm the age that I'm at 
and when did you connect the unconnectable? Well, um, I imagine that you may have experienced something similar where um, the universe is throwing you a lot of signs and a lot of signals. And Mm. then when you're ready, you kind of start picking up on them and following up on them. So even when I was going through university, I, the arts have never really left me. So I've, I've kind of always been thrown this little opportunities, whether it's working on a short film or, or being in a music video or, you know, somehow ending up in a, um, in a, in some sort of competition to, to go back to me being a ballet dancer, the ballet Academy, this is all I've ever wanted to do since, since I can remember. But of course, once we moved to the West, my father has said to me, Lilia, forget about the arts. Nobody cares. You know, we're living in the West. It's a different set of, um, uh, values you have to study and you have to apply yourself academically and this is what you need to do so um, his dream was for me to become a lawyer which I dutifully has achieved, <laughs> have achieved. <laughs> you executed um, your duty <laughs> that's it that's it <laughs> um, and you know I've I've enjoyed my job. I've, uh, I've had a wonderful boss that I'm still friends with. I did litigation. Um, I worked in litigation from an aviation insurance, um, you know, and I was, I was okay at what I did, but it wasn't something that kind of inspired me and made me truly happy. And at the time I was living with my now husband, then boyfriend, who has uh, always dreamt of uh, being an advertising photographer, director. And um, once I started working full-time, I said to him, you know, look, now that I have the financial means to support us, why don't you quit your job and pursue your dream? And when he was doing that, I have seen this almost imperceptible shift in him and how much happier he's become. And of course, when you're happier within yourself, you're then able to sort of spread that to people around you. And I've really seen that um, and felt that. And I thought, well, what am I doing? Why am I not doing the same? So he's really inspired me to do that. And so then once he started getting up on his feet in in that chosen um, field, then I started going to night classes and he supported me through that. He would, I remember, you know, I would run from work to acting school and he would bring me food and I would kind of eat it on the way. <laughs> and then sometimes having to turn, return back to work at, you know, 10 PM, um, eventually going to do a full-time course and then the rest is history. So, um, yeah, through a lot of support and, uh, personal drive, I guess. Could you put down, let's say, three people who you think influenced your Mm -hmm. life or your work? Mm -hmm. Oh, gosh, I think it's difficult to do to just name three. But considering we have a time frame to work within, I'd have to say, look, I'd have to say uh, my dad, because I, I remember very distinctly when I was a very little girl, probably the age that my daughter is now, um, and she's three and a half. He, always, he would sit me down and he would say to me, Lilia, repeat after me, I'm number one at anything I do. And he drilled that into me, which is not a very communist ideology. <laughs> where everybody is equal. And That's right. Is better than anyone, <laughs> but else. anyone else. Yeah. 
Yeah, and he really drilled that into me. He really drilled into me that you can achieve anything you put your mind to. You can be number one in anything you do. And in fact, if you want to become president, you can be president. And he used to teach that to me um, as a little kid. And he, he, he'd actually also make me memorize all the presidents at the time uh, around the world, <laughs> as an aside. Uh, so that's, I guess that's kind of stayed with me uh, throughout my life. And then, you know, of course, you know, I have my mom where, you know, nowadays we're, uh, we're so accustomed to our comforts that, that moving house seems like such a, such a massive task. And she moved countries and continents with the whole family and make, made it look as if it was effortless, you know, effortless, completely effortless. Um, to, you know, to people, to people in the arts, people in the sports, you know, I train in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I have been in the, for the last few years, like the Gracie family, who's sort of brought it to the world arena where you apply skills that you use in something like training for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or training for ballet to life where you need dedication and uh, consistency, et cetera, et cetera. So I'd say there's numerous people that inspire me every single day and they don't necessarily come from uh, the creative arts. Mm. Uh, but having, mm. having said that, I was very, very curious mm. to ask you the same question. Who would you say inspires you today? And based on, do you, based on that, how do you select the people that you want to interview on Spark? who will then hopefully spark others to be inspired? Well, I think the person who still inspires me is actually no longer even with us. And that person is my grandmother, my Baba. Her name is Militza, and I carry her name in my name. And my grandmother was one of these women. She lived to the age of 93 and she pretty much raised my siblings and I because both of my parents were working full-time in their own businesses. And my grandma came, you know, she's born in 1923. Um, She had just a really lovely childhood in her village and she just witnessed, you know, the Great Depression. Her own father had left uh, what was then the Ottoman Empire to come to Australia. So she didn't see her dad for like her whole teenage life. She then got married to my grandfather. Then he had to leave Macedonia in the middle after the Second World War had ended. She didn't see him for three years. He'd come to Australia. So basically she ended up migrating to Australia um, in the late fifties with three young kids and spent, you know, six weeks on a boat infested with rats. You know, the kids were like unvaccinated. She could not speak English. She had no idea what was waiting for her in this new country that was on the other side of the globe and not having seen her own husband for three years and everyone else in the family had already migrated. So she was really the last one out of everybody to come in the late fifties. And By the time I was born, you know, she was already retired and she was a person who didn't have a formal education, not like us, because that was just not expected, I suppose, of women of that generation. But what her parents always taught her was she went to school to the age of 13. She could write her name and kind of read basic magazines. Um, But what they instilled in her was these values of you just have to always give your best. And I think she has instilled that in her kids and also in me and in my siblings. And this idea of doing your best, no matter what life throws at you, 
you know, whether it's a war, someone dies or something happens, you just have to keep moving forward, do your best and just not get uh, worried. You know, her thing was always about not having fear and not worrying about what other people say. And I think that um, living, you know, learning to live with fear, but do things anyway, to me is exemplified in her life. You know, she had all these experiences where there was definitely fear, but she did things anyway. Um, and that carried through to my mom and her life experience. But in terms of how it impacts upon me, I think I still hear these words of advice, you know, just keep going, don't give up. And this idea of don't give up has really carried through to um, starting to produce this show. And a lot of the people, I suppose, now in series one, I'm focusing on women and then I will kind of open up the floor to include males uh, for series two is really just exactly that we all, obviously everyone has an extraordinary life. I think there's 7 billion people on this planet. Every single one of us, you know, has a story to tell. I feel like a lot of it, a lot of the people who I meet are, um, it's not necessarily through LinkedIn, you know, it might be on a, a, a journey that I've already had, someone that I met in Berlin at an event in Sydney, a friend has referred me to someone, could be a colleague of another colleague and this sort of common thread amongst all these guests is really, you know, power to the power to live without uh, giving up and to continue to do things in spite of fear and feeling fear, you know, feel the fear and do it anyway. And, um, and, and talking about fear and somebody like your grandma, who's taught you to overcome any challenge, what would you say um, has been your biggest challenge to date? Uh, say professionally? I think professionally, it's that looking within to have the resilience to say, you know what, I have, you know, kind of done the legal thing, uh, despite having studied it, it doesn't, you know, we are not our job titles, we are not our pieces of paper, our degrees that we stick up on the walls to make ourselves feel good. We are really, you know, we're on a never-ending journey and we constantly will have to be able to redefine ourselves. And I think the point for me came being in Berlin, you know, I was in the middle of this language class or this course, which was a one-year full-time course, so I couldn't actually do any work. Um, And I had started preparing this portfolio to submit to the uh, British magazine and it just kind of was like I met... another typical kind of law, very legally qualified German person who tried to basically pin me down and be like, well, look, you know, you're in this new country, you're going to have to redo all your law exams, you know, it's going to take you like a few more years, but you know, it'll be worth it because then you can practice and work in what you studied. And I really had to sort of look, dig deep within and say, you know what, I don't need to validate all my academic experiences by a career path that supposedly corresponds to what I studied. And this person who was German found that really surprising because they're like, yeah, but, you know, and then I felt like I was like, you know what, I am going to do this anyway. I will take this as far as I can with media and writing. And it totally opened up a whole new world for me because it's not just writing stories. It also enabled me to work as a reporter and uh, be able to be at the G20, which was hosted in Germany in 2017, 
it opened up a whole world of being able to MC uh, big events, film premieres, host a podcast in German where other native German speakers got overlooked for the role and I got it. And it just, that moment, that interaction with that person in my first year of being in Germany really solidified for me, like you've got to really dig deep and be able to do your own elevator pitch, even to a stranger. And so I think when you can do your own elevator pitch or when you've got it right for yourself, you don't need to worry about explaining. It's not even about explaining yourself. It's about having that belief that what you do is right for you and people probably will not agree with it. Uh, and you have to have the confidence and that self-belief to say, well, this is what it is. And I believe I'm on the right path. And, you know, that's, I think that's pretty much where I still take that advice from my, my Baba and just apply that to all areas of life. That's incredible. I'm sitting here nodding and smiling, which you obviously can't <laughs> see in a podcast. But I have I to say it on the video. <laughs> I'm very happy for myself. I'm happy for the fact that I have such incredible people in my life and that I have friends such as yourself that, you know, I've known for literally decades. Yes, so I know. It's, uh, yeah, it's pretty exciting. We all need uh, people who kind of inspire us and pull us up sometimes by our uh, shoe straps or whatever the expression is. I guess for you, you know, you are in such an industry where it's so competitive. And I remember you once said to me, you know what? I don't tell people that I'm in a movie or a project or a theater production until I see my name on the rolling credits or until I see my name printed in the theater program. And I still come back to that to ask you, I mean, how are you, how, how are you being able to, you know, tap into your inner wisdom and resilience in terms of your acting work? I think it's like with anything, you just draw on the experiences you've had in life. At the end of the day, it's just part of life and, uh, um, you know, you persevere and you don't give up. And uh, part of you has to believe in the best and part of you has to be prepared for the worst. And realize that part has to realize that the worst is not, uh, what it may seem most of the time mm. that uh, it can be just a window to something else and a, and a different opportunity. Uh, talking about credits, I've just kind of experienced <laughs> that very recently with the whole COVID situation where I was lucky enough to film <laughs> in, um, in Brisbane just before the lockdowns happened uh, on this wonderful production. They were shooting their third season and then this whole lockdown happened and uh, they couldn't access uh, their lead because he went back to America and they couldn't oh, get him back God. into the country to finish filming. So I sat around thinking, well, will it ever come out? Will will ever see the the light of day? And somebody said to me, well, Lily, you got paid. So what are you worried about? But of course, in our uh, line of work, it's not all about being paid. No. It's also about your work being work. seen. Exactly. <laughs> You know, uh, because that's how you uh, get out of work, work and um, it's a kind of like a, a chain effect. So there's always challenges, but you just have to take, take it on the chin and uh, go on and uh, create new, new opportunities and new things, you know, keep doing, keep doing your thing. Like yourself, you know, you could, you could be teaching at a university right now and if you cannot, you can be sparking new things <laughs> with a podcast <laughs> so um, yeah I'm, I'm definitely 
<laughs> I was going to say, we have to omit or stop saying, you know, a lot of people are putting out there, like I'm an unemployed business advisor or unemployed lawyer or unemployed academic. But I think by now this adjective is so pointless because actually there's, if you think that you have to wait for someone to give you a job or a gig, then of course, keep going down that road. But when you can self-initiate, you know, I mean, you told me your, you know, so I guess the first thing is when, when is the production going to air? Well, I've just found out that they finally managed to finish filming. So oh, they're in cool. post-production as okay. we speak. Yes, so it will air. I, I have no idea exactly okay. when, but uh, probably sometime this year. So it's very, very exciting. Okay. <laughs> that's and that's it. what I mean. We're, we're not unemployed or unemployable. We're, you know, it's like, as you say, just reinventing, redefining. And you were mentioning to me that you're involved in some exciting new projects that you know you've self-initiated in the time of of this lockdown so can you tell us a bit about what you're up to at the moment (laughs) oh well some things have been initiated prior to um everything that's been going on Uh, like for example um my husband traveling with his business partner to um the northern parts of europe and filming something uh, incredible in this abandoned Soviet town, abandoned mining town, to then coming back to Australia with this amazing footage and going to um, going to a live piano concert at the opera house again just before the lockdowns and listening to this incredible music that's really inspired us and made us think, well, wouldn't it be incredible if we approach this neoclassical artist you uh, Beving, if I'm saying his name correct, to um, allow us to put his music to the, you know, our artistic sort of vision. And um, Jonathan's partner was also very inspired by this visual uh, piece of art that she's written an amazing poem to go with it. And then I wow. translated it and put my voice to it. So it's just because collaboration that wasn't necessarily a set in stone as far as planning is concerned. But if you're flexible and fluid and always open to opportunities, you know, if a door closes, a window opens, Mm. then, you know, you you place yourself in a position where you can create. Um, And I think, Petra, I think listening to our experiences over the last decade or so, it also makes me realize how, lucky and maybe a little bit privileged we are to be able to respond to this particular situation today in the way that we are. I mean, being, having divorced ourselves from the confines of a nine to five job uh, has prepared us for this in a way, because when you are working as a journalist, as an artist, um, then you're constantly fighting against, um, you know, the fear of um, being in a situation where things are unpredictable and yeah. you're constantly looking at ways of evolving and creating something new. So yeah. in a way, the experiences that we've shared and the growth that we have gone through, sometimes painful, sometimes not, mm. has, uh, you know, prepared us to respond to the situation in the way that we're responding to it now, I feel. I, I so could not have, I, I, that's just such a beautiful way to express it exactly that it's about this kind of personal growth. And I love that Lumi is actually 
a part of this interview. Um, <laughs> my, my kids stormed in just before we had set all this up and they're like, oh, I've got to get the soccer balls and get me the football cards. And so they stormed out. I was like, oh, quick, I'm literally about to do this interview. And I feel like, um, as you say, it's kind of, you know, a lot of it is family values and, and grounding. and um, But a lot of it is also it just coming to to back to those core kind of beliefs, you know, I always thought the question to be asking, and it seems like in a lot of this literature, it's like, who am I? But I actually realized the question that is more fascinating is what am I, you know, what do I feel passionate about? What are my values? What is my beliefs? What kind of a person am I? What kind of a mom do I want to be? It just enables more of opening up. Whereas I thinking, and asking this question of who am I actually makes it so limiting because then you're forced to basically say, Oh, I am blah, or completely. I'm, I'm moody. And now it's very and, definitive. Yeah. Right? And it's that's so right. Definitive. Whereas a verb what? is very continuous, right? So yeah. I'm doing something that's it. Doing, as opposed to who are you. And that's why I feel like yeah. that question is more like, as you say, it's that growth. It's like, what am I, what do I feel? What am I, what can I bring to this project? What can I bring to, you know, my family? What can I bring to, you know, what, how can I create? How can I be this creator? And I mean, for you with Sodade, and I, I hope it's okay that I can mention its title. I've seen the trailer and it is just so incredibly, you know, moving. It is visually stunning. And then your voice as the narrator for this, this beautiful story it's just, it just all kind of is woven together. It's just such a beautiful fabric to be stitched. And, you know, as you say, it's sort of like this idea started pre-COVID, but actually and what a lot of people may not realise is with these creative projects, there's such a long lead time. Your official launch. That's right. Is it this week? Or ha- yeah, it's, it, no, it's, it's, happened, it's happened last week, but it yes, last you're week. so completely right that, um, yeah, for it to actually come to the point where we were ready to launch. Release, uh, yeah. With even getting all the, all the legals um, ready, it's, it's taken time. And um, we were in a way blessed to have the downtime to be able to work on that. And how did you all come up with the name Sodade? Is that Sojaje? How it's the pronunciation in Portuguese? It's actually, it's, yes, it's actually the title of uh, the piece of music. Ah, uh, okay. um, Yeah, that that Yub has generously um, given us to, um, to put to this visual poem, as I call it. Because it is, it's like a rolling... Doc, it's like a, a mini documentary in a way, I guess, in terms of the genre. And so what does Sodadi, I mean, how, and that it just suits so well, the whole project. Well, I think it's all about nostalgia. And so it's, it's, it's interesting because even at the concert, when I heard this piece, I thought, Isn't, wouldn't that be perfect for the for the visuals that we have and yeah. then we read the name of this piece and the name itself is basically saying that yes it would be perfect so it's just yeah sometimes things just sort of come together as pieces of a puzzle mm. there's been such a variety of projects you've done film short film theater tv music videos i mean 
again, similar to this idea of it's not about who am I, but what am I? Do you reckon it's possible to say you've had, you know, a failure? And if you did, what have you learned from it? Or if you want to call it something else, then please do. I don't think you can actually say that when you work in the arts. I think mm. when you're a lawyer, litigation lawyer, yeah. and your case, you lose your case, then yeah. you failed. You failed your client, yeah. you know? Yeah. Whereas in something like this, you can only really fail yourself, but then it just really depends on what, um, you know, uh, what sort of how much pressure you put on yourself and mm. uh, what sort of bars you set for yourself. And of course, sometimes you get down and you think, oh, you know, I'm not doing enough. I want to do more as everybody does. You can look at um, actors that are winning Oscars, you know, every year getting up on the podium. And of course, every sort of actor dreams of that. But then, uh, you know, I've never sort of, uh, I've never gone into the industry um, because I was starstruck and kind of uh, pursuing fame. I want to be a working um, mm. actor. And I, think, and I think in that I'm hopefully succeeding. And, you know, whenever I do feel down, uh, the people closest to me just say to me, Lilia, just open your resume and just have a look at, you know, how much you've already done. done. In an industry that's so tough and so competitive, I am pushing on and I am breaking boundaries and barriers and uh you know from from finishing acting school and moving to russia to pursue things there since everybody was telling me in australia that your accent is going to be an issue well i thought i thought to myself okay i can either just live with that and say well okay i better give up now because i will never get work in australia with my accent or i can go you know what what if i go to russia where the accent is not going to be a problem build Mm. up my uh, build up my resume, build up my showreel and come back and try again. You know, that's all you can do. Just uh, keep finding ways of achieving things you want to achieve. And the road is not always straight from A to Z. Sometimes it takes you to B, C, D, etc. So, you know, who would have thought when you were finishing law school uh, that, um, you know, you would have had the path that you've had that also didn't take you straight from, you know, being one thing to doing something else. But if you could have the gift of time travel, if you could go back Mm. to your time as a 25-year-old, what advice do you think that you would give 25-year-old Lilia? Do not hesitate. So if there's things that you really want to do, do not hesitate and think there's going to be a better time. Whether it's having kids, you know, I mean, everything happens for a reason at a particular time, right? But yeah. don't hesitate. If, if you believe in something and your instincts are screaming at you saying that this is something you should be doing, do not hesitate. Sometimes we just need to punch, um, you know, head, head first. There's nothing that doesn't that have a solution. So if you make a mistake, it's not a mistake. It's something that it's a, it's a learning experience. Yeah. So don't be scared of failing. Just go for it. And I'm just so incredibly grateful for your generosity and that we've had to shuffle the times that we've been locked out of a recording studio. So in now we're finally doing this and no I, problem, Petra. <laughs> I'm so, so <laughs> thank blessed. you so much for having me. 
I'm very flattered that you that you invited me to be part of um, Spark. I, I truly am. So thank you. Well, spasiba. So for everyone listening, thank you once <laughs> again. This is our inaugural launch episode, and it's been my absolute pleasure to have my beautiful friend Lilia May, who's an international actress, and uh, setting the scene for the rest of this show. So thank you once again, Lilia. Have a lovely night up north. Well, that's it. The first episode of The Spark is done and dusted. If you've had a little laugh today or you've learnt something or heard something that sparked your interest and you want to keep following, then I'd invite you to subscribe to the show at Apple Podcasts, on Spotify and all your favourite platforms. You can also follow along on Instagram and that is the underscore spark podcast, one word. And that's where I've decided I'm going to release up and coming episodes, announcements and other cool stuff. Thank you so much for listening and keep sparking. Keep sparking.